When Shamrock Rovers got one back, tears came to my eyes. When we went two went up and I heard those thousands of Sligo people, I was proud and we went out and won. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. More drama here. Chilani. North. Elding. 3-2. They've been looking for Stenson's head away at the far post. And over it comes Elliot. Stenson! One more. Okay, welcome along to the Bitter Red Supporters Trust podcast, uh, podcast on 11. We're brought to you by Milligram Coffee on Wine Street in Sligo. And Milligram Coffee have a wonderful website uh, on it today for the first time, milligram.ie, where um, you can purchase some uh, wonderful coffee-related items, um, some coffee-related Christmas presents ahead of um, ahead of the festive period. Um, we check them out. I would, I would encourage you to check them out. Uh, we have a great podcast again for you this week. Um, we have a long, detailed chat with Danny Ventry, uh, former Rovers midfielder, uh, played with the club during the glory years. Uh, why am I, why am I explaining to people who Danny Ventry is? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we have a great chat with uh, with Danny about. Um, oh Jesus, we cover lots of things, um, but it's well worth listening to. Um, we've spoken for about for over an hour, and we're probably going to leave. A whole lot of it in, as far as I can see. Um, it's myself, it's Sean Dunn, it's um, it's Magoo. Three of us are with you again, and um, well, we're we're a step closer to to European football. It wasn't pretty, but um, we're in the semi-finals of the cup, Magoo. No, it wasn't pretty, was it? It was um, it was an awful game of football. Yeah, it was bad. Awful game of football. Sure, as you say, we're a step closer. We're um. The, the main thing was that Derry are, are out. That's the main thing. From yeah. now on, it's just relax and like I can't see the honest that loan obviously isn't gonna be done off. Like it's yeah, just well, not gonna happen. I'm, it's just it's just it's never it can never happen. Really you can't. Yeah. Like I know I'm there's honestly, upsets. I know there's upsets in cops and stuff, but like at loan haven't even played, I don't think, since in three since uh, the quarter final, which is what, three weeks ago, is it? Since the match. Yeah. Like um, just, it's a possibility for them to have, which is unfair. It's not. It's not really fair in them either. Another farce by the FAI, like to for a club like Atlone to get to a semi final and then have to have to sit around for four weeks before the play it. But all the better for us. Donner, are you completely satisfied that there's not a hope they're they're getting past uh, they're getting past the semi final? I I kind of want them to because then if we get into the final. <laughs> There's a good strong chance we win the cup. Oh, don't be doing, don't be doing that, Jesus Christ! How how could you enjoy that there? <laughs> no, there's, not, even... there's no there's no chance there's no chance at all. It's not it's not going to happen. As bad as Dundalk have been lately as well, they're they're not going to they're not going to fall at that hurdle. Well, I, my my honest opinion is until Athlone are out, I'm not going to rest easy. That's the truth, and I just I, I want I, I want Sunday's game more almost more so than ours. I want Sunday's game over and done with and Dundalk to convincingly beat them so that, you know, I just, until that's done, that's done. My, my only concern really here is European football. But um, what, what, apart from, you know, obviously, apart from the, the win after, after penalties, Donner, what, what, what positives are you taking out of that? Not an awful lot of positives to take out of the performance, to be perfectly honest with you. 
but it was very, very patchy throughout. And couldn't really string any passes together throughout the game. A couple of good individuals in performances, I suppose. I thought Gary Buckley and John Martin again were, were very good at the back. Lewis Banks along with them. And uh, again, McGinty commanding his area. Like Derry had any amount of set pieces between corners and free kicks into the box, and he cleaned up everything that he had to. I don't think they caused any threat from them. Well, sorry, they hit the bar with one of them. So that yeah. happened. Apart from that, McGinty commanded his area quite well. Um, Junior was decent as well, left midfield. Thought he worked very hard. Um, but like that, just no one really got their foot in the ball and really made an impact that way. There was a lot. There was a bit of fighting that throughout the out the game, but nothing really. Did, say, you know, I, did, I think I, I don't. I think the the two week break probably didn't help us. No, I think we, we probably yeah. well. We probably wanted to come in with a bit of momentum and a bit of bounce from the Dundalk game, and it's it's kind of it's hard. I'd say at this stage of the season too, like there's no fitness issues or whatever. It's just trying to keep them, kind of keep their heads on it and stuff. They're probably like they've had a long season too with no fans and there's stop start and it's game is on, game is off, and you don't have to do much training with them because they're said at the end of the season there's no fitness to be got. It's just it must be hard to. I'd say hopefully. That might work in our favour before the Champs game with the short turnaround. Yeah, well, actually, so it's something I was saying today, Miguel, was, um, you know, people were saying, oh, the 120 minutes wouldn't have benefited us at all. I was actually saying that it could be the opposite for us. Because we went 10 days without a game, to get that run of, that run of playing time and then have a short yeah. turnaround to the Champs game might actually benefit us somehow. Because yeah. actually, at this stage- 120 minutes, we actually... We didn't fade off. It was Derry that faded off fitness-wise. We actually kept going and kept going. I was yeah. impressed with that, to be fair. At this stage of the season, it's, 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 you're well off just playing games every few days. Yeah. You don't need the training. Like, just... The only problem is if it if if went extra time again at the weekend, that's where you might see the issue. But we should be okay for the 90 minutes, I'd say. So, so what about... Um, I thought it was interesting um, when the change happened at the back and... Um, we saw Buckley move into midfield, Kane going into centre half. Um, is that would it be a risk to start the semi final with Buckley um, alongside maybe Morahan, uh, Kane centre half besides Mahan? I think that no, I wouldn't have that at all. Even though Buckley did get a wee bit exposed the last time we played Shams and Tala, I think he's progressed again as a centre half. I think he'd be an awful lot better this time round. I don't think he'd let them same mistakes happen again. I think he struck up a nice partnership with John Mann. I, I wouldn't split them up at this stage, you know. I think it's come this far, it can only get better. Uh, but, you know, you can't rely on... I don't think we can rely on um, Junior in such a kind of a... You know, in such a wide position to be the only creative... Or the only creative spark that we have. Could be, it, could be, it could be a tough game in Tala. Yeah, it could be... I suppose, well, it's going to be a tough game no matter what, but... But well, it could be a long the, minutes the, again. The, yeah, the big, I think the, the big thing is don't concede early. Just don't concede early. No matter what happens, do not concede an early goal. Because then it definitely will be a long day. I think we're, we're going to have to kind of approach it in a way that, uh, you know, you nearly have to sit back and just absorb as much as you can, make it a dogged performance. Yeah. They, we, can't, they, we can't go. We can't go toe to toe with them. No, and I wouldn't. I I'd, I'd be an advocate now for you know going and pressing the team and hounding and I think you could leave yourself to get exposed that way quite easily. Yeah. 
No, well, like, I'll tell you what, lads, I'm going to stop you there just for a second. We'll, we'll, we'll hold off on um, looking ahead to the Shams game for the moment. Um, um, I'm sorry now for stopping you mid-flow, but just before we finish up, um, there's a couple of other things on the, the Derry game that I, I wanted to um, I wanted to touch on. First of all, um, uh, wh- wh- what do you make of Derry City? They, they look like they are, there could be two players off being a pretty reasonable, pretty decent side. Um, and a manager, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, possibly. Like they have. What did you make of your man, the Argentinian fellow in the middle of the park, Bruno? I thought we gave him far too much time on the ball. Yeah, I thought we we, we actually made made him look a far better player than he is. He was he was taking three or four touches on the ball before laying it laying it off. We weren't closing him down. It was one big. It was one massive flaw I thought between Seymour and Collie in the centre of the park was the reaction. There was no neither, neither them were pressing. No, no. And as a unit throughout the team, we actually didn't press as a unit. There was a couple of times where Cooper pressed on the right, Coughlin followed in on the press as they were as Derry were trying to move the ball along the back four. But Junior mm. wasn't pressing on the left hand side, and it actually yeah. gave them an outlet then. Yeah, well, like I, I like I, I actually I, I thought he, I thought that your man, that Argentinian guy, looked like there could be a really good player in him. Now I know he picked the ball off the two centre halves every time. He moved. He he pretty much rambled 20, 15 or twenty yards up the field, and he gave more often than not a nice short little simple pass. So yeah, you're right, Donner. He, he did. He might have looked better than he was, but I thought that there was something about him. He, he tried. I mean, he tried to ping a few balls out wide every now and again. And I thought there might be. He, I thought geez, he is the kind of player now. If if he was as good as I think he might be, he's the sort of player now that could really do something for us in the middle of the park. But you're, I'd agree with you. The two lads in the middle gave him so much bloody time in the ball. It was yeah. it was criminal. Like really. He's he's a good footballer. There's no doubt about it. He's he is a good a good footballer. But he's been around the league now a while, like and he's never pulled up any trees for the exact reason that once you get into him and give him if he gets a slap early in the game, he just disappears. Like yeah. there's no doubt about it, the ability he has, but he wouldn't be he wouldn't um he, he wouldn't be up for the challenge for a game if he got a slap early. I wouldn't say yeah. Um, as the game progressed as well, obviously the team changed around a little bit. Uh, Cooper went into the left. He's much more effective. He's so much more effective when he's coming in off that wing, isn't he? I felt he was lost on the right-hand side there. And it wasn't the fact that he was playing badly or anything like that because he was cutting inside and trying to get a few, few decent balls into the box. It's just that he has that ability when he's playing on the left-hand side to go past the right full and get down to the byline and then whip in a really dangerous cross like he has a wand of left foot. Mm. I just felt he was just looked a little bit exposed out on the right hand side. You could see it definitely wasn't a natural position for him anyway. Yeah. I was just going to say it was it was hindering us as well because like his biggest asset is his his ability from that ability to swing in ball as Sean says with the left foot like he's brilliant delivery like yeah. and to to stick him out in the right just kind of negated that. Yeah, but he's also he's also um, he just becomes much more creative when he does find that he cuts into the middle of the park he's looking for people and he you know the head is the head is up as well he's finding himself in a more central position and he's just got more places where he can play the ball I think you know so it was interesting as well when uh, uh, in the second half of extra time I asked you who uh, who would take your penalties I had I had suggested uh, Junior in my five and Magoo you came back and you said he's never going to hit the ball through he didn't either did he <laughs> No, you can see by the way he strikes the ball, it's just not you wouldn't be trusting a fella to be taking a penalty. Yeah, yeah. I'm afraid. 
Yeah, I mean, like, I didn't think it would be go. I didn't think it could go as bad as it did, though. The shootout. No, it's his penalty. Yeah. Well, oh. the shootout in general, yeah, but his penalties. Jeez, they were awful penalties. Yeah, they were desperate. Yeah. They, they look like a team though when it came to penalties that they didn't want to know about it at all. Like I look at Conor McCormick and he he sprinted up to the penalty spot, smacked the ball into the Nazareth house and sprinted back to the halfway line. Oh, that's that's just uh, I want to get home now for the yeah. to see that's it. Let me out of here. That's the was you know. Uh, and even Walter Figueroa as well. Like, I know he slipped, and Waterford are putting in a complaint on his behalf now because he slipped in the dodgy pitch. <laughs> but like, he didn't even look in. He didn't look bothered either. But again, I think like a couple of, I don't know. I've all, I've I've kind of felt it throughout the year. Like they've they have maybe they've too many players that are at the wrong ends or just who who have kind of lost interest in in what they're doing. Like I Connor Clifford's a strange one as well. Like. I think he's a bluffer, Divina. That's just my That's, I go along with that. I'd say it's a... You have a team, like even the likes of Conor Clifford and that, and... Uh, what's they've, the all, they've, they've a lot of similar players. You have Bruno, you have, you have Malin, you have Conor Clifford, you have uh, Figueira, you have... But they've no centre-forward. Yeah, well, that's it. But if they, but if they let they, him go. They let, the, they let the Danish lad they had there go. After a you know, you could add your man Hamill, another one. They're all similar type players. Yeah, but it, it, that's sorry, that's the lad I was going to say is Hamill. He's he's the Liverpool lad, isn't he? But uh, yeah, I, I, you know, they've been in around big enough clubs and they've seen, you know, decent setups and that. And I'd say they're just looking at the finance and like this lunatic has a notion what he's on about. Yeah. Um, okay. Listen, um, uh, we'd also encourage people as well that the uh, the annual draw is still on the go and um, tickets can be bought for. Um, for uh, 10 euro each, or you can buy a book for 100. Um, we'll go, if you're to stab a guess, I must be approaching how many thousand would you? Would you I'd say? stab at 10 anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, it's hugely important for um, Sligo Rovers as we are, um, obviously, we've, we've had no fans in for most of the season and um, we need to generate the, the dollars. So um, if you can buy tickets from somebody who you know, I'll sell you a ticket. Uh, anybody else, please do buy one. Uh, and the other thing to say is, um, the uh, Black Friday sale is taking place on the Bitter Red Supporters Trust uh, website. All the quality gear there is, is it 25% off until yeah. on Friday? Tomorrow night. Yeah, night tomorrow night. It's almost like there's um, somebody with the experience in retail, with quality retail experience behind this operation. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah, you would imagine, wouldn't you? <laughs> so it's, um, it's run so smoothly. Yeah, yeah. There's, um, there's loads of good stuff on the Trust website. Um, loads of Christmas presents for everybody. Um, really good gear, really good value. Um, Bitter Red, B-O-R-S-T-L-I-E. Um, 25% off until Friday evening. Okay, listen, we'll get stuck into the Danny Ventry interview and we'll come back and we'll do, um, we'll chat about the, the semi-final against Shams on Sunday. Uh, it was a great chat. Like, I think we must have covered every player in the conversation that uh, Danny has played with um, in the six and a half or six years that he was with the club. Um, he tells some really good stories as well. Um, so yeah, um, we got stuck into Danny. Thanks to, to Danny Ventry for his time. I'm sure everybody will enjoy this extended interview. Um, what were your expectations when you arrived to Sligo in 2007? You know, we were talking before we started recording, and um, you know, you'd said that you were arriving in the middle of the season. Um, obviously, you had a relationship with um, with Paul Cook before, but what was what was your expectations before? You got here? I had none. 
None at all. I've just been released from Accrington. I suffered a broken leg earlier on the season for them. Um, in the meantime, Cookie had obviously moved on. Got a job at Southport, but quickly found himself in Sligo. And you know what Liverpool lads are all like? They all, they all talk. And Cookie had heard that I'd left Accrington. Um, and he invited me over. He invited me over with Sean Doherty. Do you remember Sean Doherty? Yeah. Yeah, um, his dad Mick Doherty. So Mick was a good football agent. He still is now in England. Um, Franny Jeffers, which is a mate of Cookies. Mm-hmm. She's all know Franny Jeffers played for Arsenal, and yeah. and Boydie, Mark Boyd. So me and Boydie had just been, well, not for our contracts in New Accrington and we're looking for some f- full-time football somewhere. So obviously Cookie had been on the phone. Come over, lad. Let's go and have a look at this and whatever. So. I went the first game I went to, I flew into Dublin. Um we went to Tolka Park and Sligo were playing champs. And obviously we were we were half cut, we'd been on the we'd been on the sports <laughs> in Dublin as you do at home watch a match. So um we went and basically didn't come home. Me and Boy, you know what cookies like, he got us, he cornered us. I sign this, sign this, you say you're staying here. All right, Paul, but I need to go home and get me close. <laughs> so, like, okay, okay, let's, we, we'll get it done. Okay, so we ended, we ended up going home, me and Boydie, after the weekend. Enjoyed what we seen. It was good. It was a different style of football to what we were used to in England. In the lower leagues of England, we, well, we'd just been released from a League Two team. We'd won the conference the year before, but it was kick and rush. It was proper, if you know, second ball game. If you're not on it, you just get run over. Um, so we went there, we're like, fucking hell, boy, you just have to play a bit of footy here, you know. We might enjoy this if we have a go. So, yeah, so I say, Kuki got us. Yeah, that's interesting, your comparison between the lower leagues and the League of Ireland, because obviously it's a question. You know that's constantly been asked um, about the League of Ireland, where it would fit in in the in the English game and the English pyramid or whatever. But um, at the time, you're you're kind of adamant there that it's it was definitely of a much higher standard than League Two, League One, maybe. I'd say they compete. They could compete now with some leagues, uh, some teams in the League easily. Um, it was more a technical game over in. In Sligo, um, no leagues, no. It was just 4-4-2, get it forward as quickly as possible, hit the big man, run off him. But it wasn't when I, when I played. It was, you know, playing playing through midfield, play out from the back, get your wingers down the side, 4-3-3, you know, Cookie liked to play, like 4-2-3-1, 4-3-3, whatever way you want to look at it. Um, so it was enjoyable. Um, I didn't really have a position when I come over, as I say, when we were talking before we went live. I got through in at left back. Straight away, it's like fucking hell, Paul. Any chance of it? I'm in here by the fans, so um, I was a young lad and I just thought, you know what, I'll have a go. And as you say, it was my first game was against Shamrock Rovers, and we won 2 0. I knew nothing about the rivalry, I knew nothing about the league. It was just for me, just go out and play. I just wanted to stay playing full time football, and just, I'm a young lad, I, I might as well go and try somewhere, you know, not in England. So, as I say, from minute one. It was brilliant. I enjoyed every minute until the last. Danny, how did you find settling in, Danny? All right. Listen, I'm, 
remember old Grady was looking at me and I walked in, we were training a, we were in, we got changed in the Clarion. We used to meet, always meet in the Clarion Hotel and we get changed there. And I had an, a pair of England shorts on. I remember old Grady, I walked into the, like, the jacuzzi in the Clarion and he looked at me and he said, fucking don't be getting in, there with, in here with them on. I was like, what are you on about? Yeah, with them shorts on, I was like, all right, sound okay. And then I was like, I've got all these shorts on, and I'm not really asked about England and all that stuff. I said, I'm a scouser, aren't I? It's more Irish than you. <laughs> um, but I just had a laugh and a joke about it. Yeah, but I settled in really well. So I moved into an apartment with Mark Boyd. Um, so he, he slept all day and was up all night. Um, but no, it was brilliant. At the time, we weren't the top team in Ireland, obviously. We were just struggling to stay up. So the fixture list was was quite kind. You play over Friday in Dublin. And you know what Cookie's like? He was like, to settle, to settle you in, you can go home every other weekend. I'll, you can come home with me. We'll jump on a flight and we'll come back Monday morning, train Tuesday. Same again. So it was good because I could get home. There was flights here there, and everywhere at the time. Sligo Airport was still operating. So if we had an home game, it was on the plane home. Come back. It's only an hour, so no, it was brilliant. So Danny, how did you find it coming from a mad football city like Liverpool over to a small town like Sligo with a passionate fan base? Uh, do you know what? No, because I'm from Liverpool and stuff, and you just get caught up in football. It's just like your second name. It's your second religion. It's Liverpool or whatever. There's nothing different, and everyday way of life. Also, you go in. Liverpool was shite on the weekend, never in a better, all, all that. But Sligo was the same, honest to God. It, it was it was unique for me because you're walking down the street and people know you. And they're like, oh, Danny, oh, good game on the weekend. And you're like, oh, no, I don't even know him. You know what I mean? But you go and play for like an Accrington or somewhere like that and you can walk anywhere around in England. And you're like, no one would know you that. But over there, honest to God, the people made you feel 10 foot tall. I was like, it's a bit weird, isn't it? Nice, but weird. And you're like, oh, Danny, hell, you weren't good the other day, was you? And I was like, because oh. <laughs> you get the honesty, I was like, oh, I'm not usually, I, I'm, no, I'm not usually the best, but I'll have a go for you. So, um, no, it was good. The, you could see when we got that momentum, when we started winning things and the fans really backed you, it was brilliant. Like them nights when the fans are singing Rovers and, you know, the songs, something like I've never, Never, I can't compare it to anything. It was just because I'll compare Sligo to to stuff now over here. Like you, you don't get that level of support at League One, League Two clubs unless you're a really big club and you've dropped down the leagues over here. But you know what? It's, it's hard to compare to. But it was brilliant. When did you think that uh, something special was really going to happen with that team? That that Paul was putting together, like you know, three cups, uh, a league medal. When did when did it kind of click that? Something special was happening. I don't know when we got rid of Boydie, probably. <laughs> um, no, uh, it's probably not my second season, the third. I think we ended up qualifying for Europe by default for some reason. It was a Cork and Derry at the time had gone into liquidation or whatever it was and he got kicked out the league. Um, once we had a little taste of that, I think kind of the players just thought, you know what, it... These, these are brilliant nights. Um, and that's when I thought, when Cookie started bringing players in 
from around the league and you've played against them for a couple of seasons, you think, you know what, he's a good player and he'll make us better. And more often than not, nine out of ten of the players Cookie brought in, they always made us better. There's one or two you think, you probably wouldn't even remember any of them. I don't, even playing with them. But majority of the time, the ones he brought in, we were only ever going upwards. So, yeah, I'd probably say my third season, which would be under the goal, 2006, 2007. 9, 10. 2009, 2010, yeah. Um, what, what was the, you know, what was your standouts? I think one of the questions we asked, um, we asked people on Twitter um, to uh, send in the questions for you. I think this is one of them. I'll find out who's asking it, but uh, it just came to my head now as well. What was your standout game? Or what was your standout, um, you know, what's the, what's the greatest memory you have? Obviously, lifting the, the league is probably the big one, but do you, do you have a personal favourite? That game on that day against St. Pat's, when we had to win to seal it, if if they were to beat us, they were on our they were on our tails with two games to go. And the, as I say, the supporters on that day, I'll never forget that day as long as I live. You know, it had everything. The game, go going two 0 up early. Raf was exceptional. I don't think Raf gets enough plaudits on the day that season. He was top draw. Local lads don't usually get the the praise and that, but because we had Quigs, we had Danny North, we had Joey, we had top players, we'd make things happen. But on that day, everything Raf done turned to gold. For that first forty-five minutes, I was looking at him. You know, he received the ball on the half turn. He's Meg. He's not Meg Birmingham, if I remember. And the keepers come flying out, and he's not Megged him. <laughs> and then there's his yeah. goal back post off a corner. Looking at and. As I say, the, the crowd that day, I'll never forget that. Obviously, other things happened in the game. It was an up and down, it was a roller coaster game. But playing in it, I felt playing in that game, I could have I could have played that game all night long. You know, like the energy you're getting off people, the fans pushing you, backing you. You could have played there all week. And I knew we'd, we'd win. Obviously, the game, we did win the game and things happened there. I got sent off, didn't I? You know. <laughs> yeah. As per usual, but no, we had even that added to it, and we were a bit under pressure. And I'm going in the tunnel, biting my nails, thinking, Don't concede now. But no, that game would be the standout for me. What was that feeling like when the final whistle went out there? Do you know what, Donald? I was in the tunnel, I, I, I remember the lads in there. I think it was a lad called Kelly, it might have been Sean Kelly, and that pad Joe Flynn. They were injured for St. Pat's, and I was in the tunnel. They were like, the final whistle had gone and I was thinking, do, do I run out here? What do we do? <laughs> and then they had to say to me, they were like, you've just won the league, like, get yourself out there. So I come sprinting out the tunnel and when I've run out the tunnel, every, all the fans are running on the pitch. So I was thinking, fucking hell, shit. Run back away here because I didn't know where I was running. I was just running. I was looking for the I was looking for the lads and they were just all mingled in between all the fans and everybody. And I don't know. It's hard to explain to put it into words, but it, no. Do you know what? It was it was top draw. All my family were there. Everyone was there, and you know what? We were like for celebrating it. I mean, we had a good goal, didn't we? So, uh, <laughs> you could drink. And come here. Um, obviously, there was there was a change of manager for that season. Was it was it difficult to a uh, difficult adaptation with um, Barraclough coming in? No, as I said earlier, before we 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 gone live. Um, we were already on the up. We were already flowing as a team. We had, you know, we had a lot of leaders: Piersy, Jay McGuinness, Keno, 
Richie, I don't know Richie was there, was he? Um, Joseph, Quakes, Danny North. He just, he just ran, he just ran with it. It was just, he come in, as I say, his attention to detail was very good in training. He's marking down shots who call it wide or what five-a-side team, who's winning the most games. You know, daily little thing, Gary Stevens was standing there and had, you know, how many goals were scored and finishing drills. But he didn't really tinker with it too much. I remember him coming after me one day at a game down at St. Pat's. Um, I was doing okay in the season. I was probably smelling myself a little bit. I'd had a little bit of feedback from the media. And you know what type of player I was. What I was, I was just honest. I'd try and get amongst people and that. But I probably started, as I say, started smelling myself a little bit. And that's St. Pat's. I was waltzing around the pitch. <laughs> and it's not like me. I don't know why. I just... I thought I was working hard, and then at half time he said to me, "You lazy bastard! This is Barraclough. You lazy bastard! You think you fucking, you think you smashed it? You're top of the league, blah blah." And it was probably what I needed at that point. He said, "You haven't even gone ventured into their half yet. You never mind in their box." And I wasn't one to get in the box, but it was good because at that point, I think we ended up drawing that game, if rightly so, but we could have won it. In the, in the last minute, I'd end up venturing into the box and I, I had an header against Brendan Clark, probably 18, 19 yards out. It just went wide. I was thinking, well, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have done that. But he, he was there. He was he was on people. He was he, he was just... He wasn't a shouter. He wasn't a baller. We'd come in at half-time. If, if it wasn't going our way, he'd be like, get the music on, relax yourself, settle down. And he'd talk things through, through with lads, certain players. Which was good. Whereas we've had Cookie, and you know what? Cookie's off the cuff is brilliant. He's a different type of manager, obviously. Cookie would remember things without writing things down. He'd be like, Oh, yeah, you. What about this? And about 15 minutes in, Baraclough was a bit more reserved, calm, composed, and knew how to get the best idea that way as well. So, two different ends of the spectrum with two good managers. Say, Baraclough was. Was top drawer as you see now. He's uh, he's unlucky not to qualify for the was it the Euros lately mm, or the yeah, yeah. the playing and now. But now you can see he's gone far. He's earned the stripes, and a lot of managers have gone on from Sligo, haven't they? To come yeah. do well, so. absolutely. Yeah, uh, good breeding. Kabir, like you, you were at the club for a long time, huge experience um, across the league. Who was your greatest adversary um, when you were in the Rover shirt? Who did you? You know, who are you really up for? Like, what individual player were you really up for playing against? Obviously, the Chrissy Turners. <laughs> the better midfielders in the league. Um, I loved playing against that Bowes team when they had Joey Endo, when they had... Um, I loved the lad in midfield. They had top players in midfield, one of them... But Kevin Hunt, Egan, no, Egan, Shane, is it Shane Keegan, the baldy lad? Yeah. yeah. He, was, he was doing really, I think he ended up going over to England and playing for Doncaster and stuff for a long while. Um, but they were a strong team. Bowes, I remember playing against them early on in my me, in me time. Chrissy Turner was there as well. Um, Matt Conlon asks, uh, what do you remember about that tackle on Chris Turner? The noise. <laughs> <laughs> The squeal. Um, 
he, he was. I tell you though, like when he when he messed Rovers around and he and he left on us, I was I was gutted because he was he was the type of player that I I love seeing in a Rovers shirt. Like, and that's what we're missing at the moment. We're missing and something a bit like yourself, Danny, like someone who yeah. has that kind of leadership, physicality, and can really set a tone in the middle of the park. Like, I mean, you know, as as hated as Turner ended up with Rovers fans when he when he left us. I thought like he was like there was going to yeah. be a huge Chris Turner. I don't know whatever happened with Chrissy Turner's slide because as I was arriving, he had a knee brace on and was leaving the club. Um, but do you know what? He was a top draw footballer. Then right and left foot, effortless, could ping a ball if you let him have space to destroy you. And I just thought, listen, I'm not, I'm nowhere near as good as him. I'm just going to try and stop him from doing it. And he has a little edge about him. He'd come, and, he'd come and give you it back, which was brilliant. And you don't get many players like that in the tosses. Like, uh, you know what? I'll have a good go with him. And obviously, we ended up playing against each other a lot. And that, you know, that's how I do remember about it. Is it was a good game. Atala was one of the early ones when we were there. And I just thought, you know what? The ball's there. There's only one thing that's going to happen here. And <laughs> I just threw myself. I think you can half see me turning my head, which is not like me. And it, because he actually come to do me in the tackle. He went to top the ball and he probably got there a little bit quicker than me. So, I don't know, it's not natural for some people, but natural for me, I just thought, well, I'll just go a little two or three inches higher and you can do me rather than I'll beat you. And I've I'd, I'd, I'd done him. Not a malicious, it was just a, a strong tackle is what I think. And then, obviously, he got treatments and stuff, come to the corner, um, corner flag, they had a throw in in the far corner um, and he's come to do me again and he clipped me and I've gone down I've won a free kick whatever and he said something like oh, damn, that was for you doing me then and it was nothing and I was just thinking you know what I've got you now no. yeah, he was coming after me all game and stuff but no I had a great little rivalry with him do you know what he's actually a top lad as well do you know off the pitch I got to know him a little bit because he'd come up and down to Sligo he still knew Georgie he still knew the lads and I've had a couple of good good nights out with him. Bit of a lunatic, like I'll give him that, but you know what? He's a top draw, lad. He is. He's a top player. He's still got a strong connection with Sligo. Come here, we've another uh, from a very um from one of our uh, long long time long term listeners, a fella called Daniel North asks, Does <laughs> Danny still deliver Hugo Boss t shirts to Grimsby? Or can him going, putting food on his table. <laughs> <laughs> Did hey, play, hey Danny, he, Danny, Danny, he's coming on next week, so if you have any dirt, now is the time to spell it. Absolutely. You know what? To ask him what he's done with the FAI Cup on... <laughs> I don't know where the cinema is. <laughs> probably about three or four o'clock in the morning when we won the FAI Cup for the second time, when he, he was there. Ask him what he's done with that. <laughs> right, okay. Did you, did you play with him again at... Um... Uh, Skelmer's Dale, Skelmer's Town. No, yeah, I went there. He never ever played for Skelmer's Town. Did he not? I thought he signed for them, no? No, he never. He's he's the other side of the country. Grimsby's basically Liverpool on the other side. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, Danny, apart from best players you played against in the league, who was the best player you played with at Sligo Rovers throughout that period? It's the obvious one, isn't it? It's the Our Lord, Joey Endo. <laughs> He brought me. He brought me on so much as a player. But now everyone says Joey Endo, and rightly so. Um, but like, like you said, we had loads. Richie, 
Piersy wasn't a player, but the top top defender. Yeah. Keno, I didn't, you never ever give Keno enough credit for him. His marauding runs up and down the line. I I, I watch games back with John Dillon. Um, I love John Dillon. Yeah, he's underrated yeah. footballer. Yeah, he was yeah. brilliant. I tell you, class, class footballer. Um, and he says, "Hey, Dan, you know what, John? Like, if he's if he's no John, he's he questions everything. He's like, hey, Dan, what did you think? How how good did you think we was? And we had some teams in me. And what do you think about Keno? And always looking for an opinion, John. Um, and I give him my opinion. He goes, you know what? I thought he was good, but I never give him really enough credit at the time. You know, you had Dav Keno. Richie Connor O'Grady, Quiggs, Danny North, Blinks, Raff, Podge, Doyle. It goes on. Gary McCabe, when he was there, even Derek Foran, he didn't even play for us hardly. Derek Foran was a very good centre half. Brushy, top keeper. Kieran Kelly, top penalty saver. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Rogers, when he came in. We've had we had some top goalkeepers, by the way. Saxon never got a lot of credit for his actual in-game play, I think. Yeah. When he did play, he had a spell of playing for a while and he was fucking very good. He really was. When you look back at the games, I've still got records and stuff. Um, How good was Pugley? Uh, do you know what? He, he could do things in a train, on the training pitch. You'd think, what's he doing? Why is he doing that? How does he do that? Um, getting it out of him was, was the hardest part. Um, obviously, he got, player of the, he got player of the season that year. And he only played, what, four or five months. He had a bit of an up-and-down season. He, at one point, he got his head turned by Sam Rock Rovers to leave. He'd missed, and he had a, what, seven, eight-game ban from the first game of the season. Um, he had an agreement with Cookie that he could travel up and down, but then Barraclough come in and was like, no, you've got to be here. Um, did, did, it, did it almost create trouble in the camp? Or, you know, hmm. was, it a, was he a risk of upsetting things? No, not not within the camp, no, because we were that good as a group. It wasn't, you know, he, he's a bad apple in the in the he weren't because no when he was in, he was top draw. He's he like as a person, he just used to have a laugh. He'd love Brushy him and Brushy created a little bond. Um, you know, they're quite I don't know if you follow Quigs now on Instagram, but some of his dress sense is very questionable. <laughs> you know what Brushy's like. And that piercings where he shouldn't have piercings and <laughs> where he shouldn't have but they had, they had this little thing you know Quicks we lived in Riverstown at the time Quicks would always be in him on in red wine or whatever they'd be on Um, no, he wasn't a, he wasn't it, there was no do you know what there wasn't many lads that we had that created an atmosphere in the uh, changing room Danny is. If you were if you were to pick a five aside, Danny, out of all the players you play with during your time at Rovers, I wouldn't pick Kieran Kelly. Do you know why? I actually chip Kieran Kelly in a five aside goal in training one day. And for me to do that, I wouldn't <laughs> put him in goal. It wasn't a pass back, no. <laughs> and as you do in training, you say things, and I would never do it again. But yeah, I remember chipping him in a five aside goal. I was like, fucking hell, what's going on with you, Tracky? Um, I'd say Brushy because he likes to come out and spread himself. You know, he's brilliant at 1v1s, Brushy. So, when, you know, with five sides quite tight, I'd say Brushy because he just throws himself everywhere. I would say Piersy because he covered half of the goal anyway. <laughs> um, and I need legs. Richie to keep the ball, don't get the ball off him. 
Keno up and down. So that's Brushy, Piersy, Keno, Richie, and one more. I need to finish it. Um, that's yourself, so. Myself, yeah. Chipping people in five side goals. It'd have to be Doyle. I was going to say blink on, right? But he couldn't finish his fucking dinner. <laughs> but you know what? Um, I think before we started recording, you're telling us about um, you're currently working closely with Blinkhorn. What's what's he doing at the moment? Yeah, um, Blinks is head of coaching at Blackpool. He coaches the coaches. He keeps them on the toes. He challenges challenges them every day. He challenges me every day. He records me sessions. Gets me on the camera. Gets me mic'd up. Questions me about outcomes, what what you want from that, and you're like, fucking hell, Blinks, it was a minute, will you? Um, but no, he's top draw. He's a serious it. operator, is he? He's really, really good at his job, and you know, he's my very good mate. He got me in at Blackpool from when I come home from Ireland. I, I was coaching part time, and he was already there because uh, obviously he left a couple of years before me. Um, uh, and um. You're looking after the under 18s there in Blackpool. Um, I am, yeah. So full time, full time gig, um, in there every day. Train of a Monday, train twice Tuesday, Thursdays, train Friday morning, game Saturday. Um, pretty full on. It is just obviously kind of a development stage for them, but there is, there's some very good players in there. There, there is there's some top draw players, and um, I was speaking to. Colin Feely lately about maybe creating that link to help maybe if Blackpool have got some first team players coming yeah. through you know might go and need some games or an experience of a different culture or whatever vice versa if you've got any young players coming through and they want to have a go over in England whatever we're going to try and set something up but trying to create a little connection which would be good for both parties really so mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what we're doing at the moment. So it's enjoyable. I'm telling lads how not to play, basically. How not to act on a pitch. Are you still playing yourself, Danny? I am, you know. I'm playing part-time um, for a team called Witness. It's quite local in Liverpool. We play in... Uh, well, yeah, we play on their pitch. It's the biggest pitch in the world. I think the pitch is a standard pitch, but because I'm getting slower and I can't move, it feels bigger. <laughs> Um, no, yeah, it's the Witness Vikings. We play on their stadium, so we play in a fifteen thousand seater empty stadium every week because we've only got two hundred fans. And Danny, yeah. what's the long term goal with the coaching? Would it be to stay as an academy coach, or would you like to, to progress up to being a first team coach? No, I want to progress. I, I want to have a go. Um, when, when do you think you're going to manage Rovers, Danny? Oh, don't know. Don't know. I'll never say never. Anyway, so. You just said earlier it was good breeding ground over here for managers. It is. You know yourselves, the manager, lad. Down the years, Pukie, Barraclough, you know, even John Coleman and Jimmy Bell, they were there for, you know, not a, not a great period, but I know they went back to Accrington and Accrington have kicked on again. Um, I think I, I think a lot of, a lot, like when we look back at that team, you know, it's almost a decade ago now. I mean, it's a common conversation, I'd say, the Talbot fans around the, around the town, over supporters, you know who who could be, who could be coaches, who could be potential managers out of that group. But there's like there's any there's any amount of uh, potential opportunities there for like and there's 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 players who are involved. Obviously, Conor O'Grady's involved with the underage setup. Um, 
with Rovers. Um, you know, Ross has shown an interest in, in coaching. Um, you see the likes of periods he's gone off and done um, badges. There's yeah. myself. There's, I mean, potentially there could, there could be a lot of options there. And I know I'm kind of jumping ahead of things here, but there is a lot of potential coaching. Yeah, there. Conor was probably a little manager on the pitch as well at the time. When you play with him, he's organising. He's shown the traits. Piersy as well. Um, Raf. They all showed today, so you think, do you know what? No, if we had to go with the manager, you could do okay. Um, but having gone through your badges and experience it probably at a lesser level now with the 18s, it, do you know what? It's some job, you know, it's not just turn up and put a team out and, and play and expect things to just be all rosy. I, I, now, I now respect as seeing, seeing and being a coach now, the input you need, the, the team of staff, the, the analysts, the physios, the input that I have daily meetings every day. I have a meeting about the meeting about what's he doing and why. You know how many players have we got? Is he why why is he feeling down? And it's so much, it's so much fucking things you'd have to think of. But yeah, it's something that I want to do. I want to kick on. I want, I want to challenge myself. Let's see how far I can get. But you know, you see a lot of managers now. Football league. They're all mid thirties to forties. I think it's a younger man's game now. The management. Yeah. Um, a lot of them are head coaches as well. They're not managers anymore. So you've got these sporting directors and these CEOs who kind of, you know, they make the signings and they're just saying to you, like, coach them. So it might not be like a poor cuckoo going, you know, go and get a Quigley from wherever he was at the time or and what other good players did he bring up from Dublin? Alan Kirby. Oh, now what a player he was. Um, so sometimes you just, you haven't got full ownership of what you want to do, it's like we've identified him, he's the profile of what we want. He, he, he fits our philosophy, coaching. So there's a lot of factors to it, but you know what? That's what interests me. But then again, and, it, sorry, go on. And if the opportunity arose down the road to manage Sligo Rovers, would it actually be something you'd be interested in or would you prefer to stay in oh, the UK? Of course it would. As I say, we're talking about their manager who've gone on. Why wouldn't it? Why would I know the place? You know, I'd like to think I know the Sligo inside out now and what the people want and what the people want to see. It's just a question of, you know, would you get back properly? You know, there's all loads of factors, but do you know what? From experiencing it, why not? Why not? I'm not, you know, you take what you, you can get and then hopefully build from there. Some people have got to start somewhere and that's no disrespect to Sligo. It, it is a top club and a top breeding ground for managers. In the League of Ireland is. You, know, you see Michael O'Neill, how far he's gone on. From Shamrock Rovers there, Stephen Kenny, now the Irish manager. You know, there's, there's good managers that have been over here and been, you know, who've, who've actually kicked on in their career. So you, you could never, as I say, never say never. But, you know, in, in three or four years' time, who knows? Who knows? That, that my goal. I, well, Blackpool have got a, a plan and they're saying, you know, we want five five new team players in the squad by 2025. They call it five and 25. And I take now to Blackpool and said, oh, okay, well, I want to be your manager in five years. So I've got to give myself a little personal goal of progressing. Uh, say I've done all my badges now. I'm just waiting to see if I can get on this pro licence, but it's a very select few. Um, I think they only select 18 every 18 months, so it's hard to get on. If we get on it, then I'll be on my way. And 
Danny, going back a wee bit in time as well, just when you actually ended up leaving Slave Rovers, joining Derry City, how was that for you personally after being with the Rovers for so long? Because for the fans, it was a very strange sensation seeing you play with someone else in the league. Yeah, do you know what? Um, going back now then, Barraclough brought us in at the end of the season. I think we just won the FAA Cup. Was it the 3-2 game against Docherty, yeah? Yeah. Um, so we have our end of season meetings, probably still half drunk when we have them. Um, nobody told me anyone wanted to keep me, give me a couple of things to work on over the off season. He said, you know, there's a deal there for you. Um, we'll sort it out, go home, come back, and everything will be sorted. So I've gone home, my missus is still in um, Colooney, that's where we were, were at the time. Uh, she had a little shop and stuff, so she was doing okay. And then, gone home for Christmas, I got a phone call uh, off Barraclough. When are you back over? And I said, oh, I'm over such a day. Whatever it was, come and see me when you get back. Like, well, right, I'm going back to sort my deal out, whatever. And I go in and he goes, uh, I could see him kind of teary-eyed or red-eyed. And I was a bit strange. I wonder what's happening there. So I didn't think nothing of it. So he's, he gets down to so he goes, you know what? Um, the goalposts have been moved a little bit. I was like, okay, well, what's what's up? And he said, there's no deal for you. And I was like, oh, fucking hell. Well, there was a month ago. What's changed? And I, I, he put it on himself, to be honest with him. He said, look, it's you know, it's down to me. I don't think I think it's time for you to go and have a fresh challenge somewhere. Um, you know, I'm sorry about the situation, blah blah, and that, and that was it. And I was gutted because I didn't want to leave. I never ever wanted to leave Sligo and I was set on coming back there. I say me missus had a shop there and we, we were doing okay. I was, you know, I, I played quite a lot that season even though I broke my leg. Um, yeah, so it, it was hard to take that to be honest with you and then all of a sudden, I think when I did break my leg that season, Roddy Collins was at, was at, at loan and I was just coming back um, to fitness and, and Ian Barraclough had phoned Roddy and said, you know, Danny Venter is available for some games if you need him. And I didn't know that at the time. I'd never, never, ever, no one ever questioned me saying, if you want to go and get some games, you can go on loan for a month somewhere. So Roddy phones me out the blues, like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, your, ma- your manager said you, you're available. I was like, well, I'm not. No. Um, so. That's where Derry come about because in that meantime, obviously, Roddy got the Derry job and then obviously he'd, le- he'd learned of me not getting a deal at Sligo. Um, and within the week, Roddy was on me, invited me up. I went to Derry because I thought, you know what, I want to stay as close as I can because me and Mrs. had the shop and stuff. Um, and I love living in Sligo, so that was the, probably the next best club to go to. Um, I know Finn Harps is halfway up, but you don't go and sign for Finn Harps, do you? <laughs> but yeah no Daddy was Daddy was okay Daddy was okay Roddy was an absolute lunatic um, top fella top fella down to earth man he brought me into his house he made his wife make a roast dinner for me um, telling me his models and stuff was he similar in a way to in a little bit of a, in a, in a slight way to Paul Cook similar kind of character yeah, yeah, he's got similarities of him. Um, you know, basic principles of life, standards, how you treat people. Um, 
you know, never say die attitude. You can see Roddy was a fighter, obviously because of his brother. He, you know, he every morning he'd be out running before training, and you'd be like, "All right, Rod," and he's like, "Yeah, and, um, I want to live forever, me. I'm gonna live forever." And he'd just be jogging, there he'd have like a bin bag rain jacket on, he's <laughs> getting a good sweat on. He, you know what? He was a good man. I think just Derry didn't suit him because he was from Dublin, and whatever went on a little bit of politics up there between them. But um, what did you do? Did you, did you do fourteen games up there? Did I do? Um, do you know what? I didn't play a lot because then I had a knee injury as well. I had to get surgery on my knee when I was up there. Um, yeah, it wouldn't have, yeah. If that 15, 20 games, I'd probably come back too soon as well. I end up playing in another FAA Cup final and I made the mistake that day. Um one that got punished, but it's probably because I was not hundred percent fit. Um but I think I only played one game before that final stuff. But do you know what? It's it's a great little club. That is a, a, a good city. And we presume you've been there anyway, so it was, it was all right, but it wasn't somewhere that I entirely wanted to be. Hmm. Uh, but in, that, in that meantime, anyway, so John Coleman and Jimmy Bell had come in at Sligo when I was up there. Um, and Sligo played Derry and I was injured that night and Coley got into me and was like, you coming back down or what? And I was like, well, yeah, you know, sort me a deal out, John, because I knew what John was like. Either got me in the door and go, yeah, that's all you can have. And I'd have been in, I'd have been in Sligo with just all I could have, which is I know John and Jimmy. Just, we'd have been about two bob. <laughs> I'd love to play for Sligo, but obviously you need to know at that point you've got your you've got your worth. And um, so Peter, um, Peter Rutten at Derry, he grabbed me in the office. He said, "Look, Coley's been on. Do you want to go back to Sligo?" I was like, well, do you want me to go back to Sligo or one? He's like, well, it's up to you. And I was like, well, I'm not too bothered. If you want me here, I'll stay. If you don't, I'll go. It's not a problem. So it just got left at that. And in the end, I didn't obviously didn't go back to Sligo, but I probably should have. In hindsight, I should have just left Derry and just went straight back to what I knew. What I knew. Um, but there was no concrete offer from John and Jimmy. If they said to me, you know, this is what you're doing, this, this is what you can have, and blah, blah, blah. I'm one of them. I need to know what I'm going in for. Yeah. Um, I'd have done it. But, yeah, didn't uh, ever, ever go on. Were you commuting up and down from Sligo to get to Derry? Or... Um, they got me, they got me apartments up there. Um, so I'd go up. I'd go up of a Monday morning. I'd stay Monday night. Train Tuesday, come back down, we'd have Wednesday off. I'd go back up Thursday uh, morning, stay Thursday night, play Friday. And then Roddy was great with me. He said, you know, we can have Saturday, Sunday off. So, yeah, I'd do a couple of nights up there and then obviously come back and travel. So, it wasn't too Yeah, bad. I think it's, also, it's interesting how well yourself and your partner settled in Sligo. There's, I suppose there's few people that make such a success coming over from the UK and like for both of you to... To, in essence, to be running what was a pretty successful business in Cluny. Yeah. And um, you know, you being who you were doing what you did, there's few people who kind of make such a, a strong or, um, you know, who really settled so well. I mean, you have the likes of um, 
you know, there's a couple of fa famous names who've come over from the UK over the years and they've settled, but it's, they're few and far between, like, you know, and, but I mean, you're kind of suggesting that you, you almost could have stayed here indefinitely. Yeah, that, that, that's the way it was going and that's what I thought. I just thought, you know what, it's, it's a lovely place. I say all my family are now gutted that they can't go up. Well, not that they can go over there, but they only coming over to watch me really and stay with us and spend time with us. And they're all gutted now. You know, you see my dad and his gang, there'd be about 40 of them who come over every now and again. You know, they'd always make an excuse, oh, we're going away for Bernard's birthday. It's his 50th or something, so they'd all go to Sligo. Then next week it'll be, yeah, it's Jimmy's 50th, we'll go back to Sligo again. And it's, Billy, it's Billy's anniversary, whatever. And they'd just make an excuse to get there as often as they could. Um, They loved it. And it was, they, you, just, you just say to me, why the fuck did you ever come home from there? Like, I don't know. <laughs> um, but no, that, that, I, that was the plan. I, as I say, I enjoyed it that much. I didn't even ever think about coming home. I didn't. But then, obviously, things change. And you always go back to where you, you come from, don't you? Really, you go back to your parents and whatnot. So, no, as I say, I loved it from minute one to the last minute. But... I got to say, we settled really well. Probably lived in every borough of Sligo. I think I've had more houses than, than an estate agent. We just bouncing around everywhere. Um, yeah, my missus was over early with us, and I, I, at the time, I shared a house with Chris Butler and Sean Doherty. Remember, do you remember Chris Butler? Yeah, yeah, he was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, Chris Butler was top draw as a footballer. It was just unfortunate what happened to him. Yeah. You know, crashing his car and whatnot. But he could have gone on. He could have gone on and had a really good career. Sean Doherty, he's done, done well. He's, he's, he's got a good job now over here. He works for Adidas. Um, Got a really good job. But yet I live with them. And we live next door to Brian Cash. Fucking hell. Owen Morrison. There's another player, Lunatic. Uh, Blinks was in with them Keno was in with them Maro Almeida Romy Bocco oh, I haven't spoke about Romy Bocco how good he was he just kind of went under the radar Radar, Bocco he could play in any position and be top draw yeah. yeah and you know we all lived in a little little community there in Colooney we had some obviously you know what, what we were like don't I <laughs> you know what went on and with the lads and the drink and whatever and but we deserved it. We could, we could actually all... In, I think that's what brought us together as a team. The community spirit of us was like... You know, we were out. You know, there was no bad lad there. That's what brought us together as a team. We're always in and out of houses. You know, some lads had kids. Gav Piers had some kids early on. Jay McGuinness, Jay McGuinness had his kids. Jay, um, Danny North had his little girls. So we were in and out all the time. And I think that's what created the bond with us on the pitch. We kind of knew in it, knew each other inside out, but you know we just we have barbecues because it's you know, basically in the summer. I know you only probably get two weeks of summer over there, but it was you know it's a mild. It was mild, so we'd be out and the, there's always a can of Guinness or something somewhere floating about, wasn't it? What not? But no, it. Do you see many of the lads anymore? I know you. See, I mean, you can see the conversations and the banter that you have on social media and Twitter and stuff like that but do you, do you catch up with the guys? Now and again yeah Judgy still keeps in contact with me um, fucking hell Judgy's WhatsApp's are 
a sight to behold. He had, he he asked you a million questions in one one message, and you I, I struggle to answer it sometimes. Um, Danny North now and again on Instagram or Twitter. Obviously, I spend a lot of time with John Dillon and Doyle. Doyle lives around the corner, well, not around the corner. Probably lives about ten minutes away from me. Um, me and Doyle have got a little childcare business going in Dublin, um, where he's from. So every day I speak to Doyle and where I'm there enough every other day. Blinks are work with. Piers, he's pestering me all the time on the phone. See, honest to God. Um, Brushy sends me some videos that he shouldn't be sending me now and again. <laughs> um, no, yeah, so social media is being good for us. You know, lads, keep in touch. Jay McGuinness, the nicest man in the world. We'll always send you an happy birthday message or if someone's at the birthday in your family or something's, you know, something's good happens here, he's like, brilliant, well done, how are you? Um, just all top draw lads. We all obviously keep still keeping an eye on Richie, what he's doing. Um, yeah, so there's always that odd message to, to let people know you're always there. And it's like, it's a, I've probably never been, you know what, I haven't had a lot of clubs. I've probably had five or six clubs since I've been back. And there hasn't been that togetherness and any other team than I had at Sligo. Danny, you just mentioned a player there quickly. Um, was Maro Almeida. Yeah. I just wonder what you thought of Maro as a player. He always struck me as someone that if he had put his head down and actually got on with it, he could have been a top quality centre half. You know where, where I first come across Maro Almeida? Right, so we were at Accrington um, and it was, I think we'd been knocked out of the FA Cup early on. So Coley being Coley, it was right. We're going to we're going to Barcelona in January. So obviously it's cheap enough to go to Barcelona in January. And it was actually a fellow on my twenty first birthday. He said we're playing Espanol in a in a behind the closed doors game. But I, I was on crutches anyway, so that was the year that broke me like me and another lad broke broke her, he broke his ankle, I broke me like at the same time. Um, so we turn up. And there's this lad in the changing room. And I, I was one of the first in the changing room because I was injured, the physio was seeing us. And I said to Coley, I said, there's a lad sitting in there, you know. Obviously, you know what Maro looks like. He was Portuguese, the typical, you know, yeah. skin, lovely skin and all that. And I was like, well, he's not an English lad. <laughs> so anyway, so I say to Coley, yeah, there's a lad there, he wants to speak to you. And he's like, yeah, he's playing for us in a minute. I was like, okay, sound. So anyway, watching the game, Amaro done really well against Espanol. So he had this orange jumper on and a pair of jeans, Maro. I'll never forget what he had on. And he had this big suitcase with him. So anyway, the next day we were flying home. Sorry, we, we, we were leaving the ground after the game and this kid's on the, this Maro's on the bus. So just me being me, I was like, you're okay, mate, and all that. And he was very good. He spoke very good English, Maro. He's like, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, what's happening, mate? He said, I've signed. Said, what do you mean you've signed? He's like, yeah, yeah, I've signed. He said, eh, well, you know, your manager, is he is he okay? I was like, yeah, why? And he went, he's asked me to bring a load of ciggies home for me. In the <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's where I come across Marlo Almeida. So we've just signed a lad in Espanol, a Portuguese lad, at Espanol. And the manager's getting them to bring loads of his home in his suitcase. <laughs> but, you know what? He done, he done well at, Ac at Accrington. 
he was in and out. He suffered with injuries, Marno. He could never get any consistency. But I thought if he could get, do you know, he had two Achilles injuries, probably the worst injuries you can have. Um, but the games you could you could see playing, he was good. He was all right. He, you know, if he had that, that consistency of playing, he'd have gone on, Marno. He was a great player, yeah. But he was, he, I mean, he put in some great performances for for Rovers. Yeah, he was at he was at one of the FA Cup finals, wasn't he? With the suit on and his medal, he was mate. He come back for that. So yeah, yeah. No, another top fella, him. Yeah, listen, we could we could spend the whole week talking about some of the players that you played with, and um, you know the likes of Butler and John Didden. Like there was, I, mean, I have to say, one of the most excited players I one of the players I got most excited about seeing was was. Um, was Butler when he when he signed for Rovers the first couple of games he played, again yeah. that kind of he he played with such ferocity like he was like he was an animal on the pitch like but then he could pass the ball he was just you know he was a huge yeah. loss in the end really. He was he was a typical Liverpool player because that's where he come through. He had the long levers, he had long legs, he had bony arms, and obviously I've gone into tackles with him in training, and he he did. He'd hurt you and he'd, his leg would wrap around your neck. He'd be like, get off me. He'd laugh in your face and run away. He's, he's, you know, he's a good lad. He's, yeah. he's a scaffold now, Butler. Yeah, I follow him on Instagram. Like, I message him every now and again. Yeah. Yeah, like, someone, asked me, someone asked me a question actually on Twitter about um, Cookie uh, lambasting me at Dundalk. Did you see that one? No, I missed no. it. I think it was on one of them Ask Danny things or whatever it was. Yeah, go on. What was that about? So it was at Dundalk. And uh, I think I'd been dropped or I wasn't in the team anyway. So on the Friday, we well, on the Thursday, we'd done shape. And I think if I remember rightly, Richie Ryan, Joey Endo and Alan Kirby were in midfield. Cookie had this trait about... Um, if something happened on the pitch and it was a player playing in your position, he turned round to you on the bench and go, oh, let's look at this. So I remember it, it was Richie and Joey were, and Alan Kirby were all like within five yards of each other and he was like, Danny, what am I fucking midfield, lad? What are they doing? And I'd had, I'd had a mood on. I'd, I'd just blanked him for most of the game and whatever. So when he said that to me, I turned round to Dexy and I swear to God, I whispered it. He fucking picked, he, he fucking picked them, didn't he, Dex? And he heard me. You know, how he heard me, I don't know. He turned round, he gave me this there, you, you cheeky little fucking effing and blinding at me. You'll never play for me ever again, blah, blah. How dare you fucking answer me back and all that. And I'm like, I'm in the substitute bench trying to sink back, like, <laughs> open for the floor to open up. Degsy's got his, his, his t shirt over oh, and laughing and he's, he's giggling, Degsy. And he's elbowing me, Degsy, in the side. And I'm like, Cookie's still going for me. And then it was, this was in the first half anyway. I was like, fucking hell. He's like, go on, get in, get changed, get changed. You're not, you're not coming on. You're never playing for me ever again. Go on, get yourself home. Find your own way home. This is how the game going on about half an hour. Then. I was like, fucking hell. So I, I, I went in for a little bit. And at half time, I come back out. I was just trying to stay away from him. And anyway, I, he'd come out after his little team talk at half time. And then... I just grabbed him and said, look, Paul, sorry about that, mate. I, I apologise straight away. He said, I'm just frustrated I'm not playing. I was on the pitch within 10 minutes. <laughs> I remember that, yeah. I can remember the, the images of Degsy with the... He's got the bib up over, over his face. So yeah. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that was because Kuki was hammering me because I'd said to him, well, you fucking played them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, just before we finish up, I think one of the best... Uh, one of the best interactions on Twitter is between yourself and Danny North 
when Danny North says, give a scouser a fish and they need for a day, give a scouser a fishing rod and he'll stick it through your letterbox and rob your car keys. And Danny comes back, Danny Venture comes back and says, yeah, I like that lad. We call that bambooing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I little, went through a little stage in, in the pool anyway. People were getting the cars robbed and he couldn't figure out why because the, do you like, oh, I've dropped my keys somewhere, yeah. People would just stick a fishing pole through, <laughs> a bamboo cane through your letterbox and just pick them up and off yeah. they go, your car. So you learn something new every day, don't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Danny Nord's doing now with his Grimsby fishing rod. <laughs> <laughs> the mariner, yeah. Yeah. Okay, listen, Danny, um, very best of luck with the rest of the season with um, Blackpool and the um, Thanks a million for your time. We could speak to you for, for the rest of the week. All day. Yeah, all the stories that can't or shouldn't shouldn't be told, but yeah, yeah. maybe if we come over, and we have a drink. Yeah, well, listen, um, we uh, we look forward to seeing you back in Sligo soon. Um, hopefully, the the coaching crew progresses to such a stage that maybe you won't be back in employment in Sligo again. We'll see. Yeah, no, hopefully, hopefully, no. I wish, I wish there was obviously Sligo all the best of course. Semi-final now. Is it semi-final, yeah? Semi-final, yeah. yeah. You caught the penalties yeah. last night. You weren't too impressed with the penalties. No. Well, I know that junior junior kid would have been strung up. But, you know, how, why they jump before like, they take them penalties, I don't know. The skip and the jump, they only look good if it goes in. And to be fair to that, the, the lads who scored. They don't, even, they don't even look good when it goes in, to be honest. Yeah, but uh, in fairness to our number nine, Ronan Cockton, he's been doing it all season and they've all been going in, so... Yeah, I, I, the, the commentator did say, he said, oh, so he's got a good run-up when he... I don't know about that one. Just, yeah. do you know what? One of them finals that we played in, how bad were our penalties? Only for tracksuits. That's the Shams final, yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. Well, Keno, Connor O'Grady, who else missed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Someone else. It wasn't Gary yeah. McKay. It was someone else missed anyway. But terrible. Listen, Danny. Thanks a million. Thanks for your time, and um, good luck with the rest of the season. And we'll, we'll chat to you soon. Brilliant. Thanks very much, lads. That was our um, former captain. Danny Ventry um, with the club between 2007 and 2013. A great conversation, great story about Mara Almeida and uh, John mm-hmm. Coleman. Um, yeah, they, they, they had an incredible bond, or they have an incredible bond, that, that uh, former group of players, don't they? Like they were, uh, like, yeah. And actually, as you mentioned, that it was so, like, just to see Danny Ventry in a Derry City jersey, like, God, it was just wrong. Oh, it's strange, strange, strange feeling, so it was. Yeah, yeah. Never felt right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, terribly. Do, doing the dirt in there or something, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's what it's like, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I t- it actually felt worse, you know, when uh, he played in the Aviva then in the cup final for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's oh. when it just felt wrong altogether. All wrong, all wrong. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and he's he's. I mean, hugely respected coach over in Blackpool. Uh, it would be, it would be magic to see him back in the showgrounds in some form, wouldn't it? I'd love to see something like that happen. Yeah. It'll be, you know, show the progression of where to come player to coach to manager, you know, it's, yeah. it'll be something really interesting. I don't think it's happened before, has it? No, and he feels like one of our own too. So it, it, yeah. it's just, you know, there's certain, certain fellas that when they play here to feel like, like we just talked about when he was in a dirty shirt, it just didn't feel right. Like, cause he just, yeah. he just felt like one of, he just felt like one of our own. Like, so if you want to come back, it'd be, yeah. Would be a bit of a bit of a homecoming, like. But like he'd have no, there'd be no kind of bedding period, like you know, he knows what he's dealing with, he knows the terrain, yeah. he knows the people, he knows the club, you know. Um, 
Okay, so he's good, so we don't have to give him loads of abuse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the other thing about it is, like, the thing about those lads from Liverpool is it's such a tight-knit area. Um, you, he knows so many players. Um, like, that's, I mean, the, the, the obviously, Cook's personality, Paul Cook's personality is part of the magic. But also, the network of players that he knew. You could yeah. bring in your Dillons. You could bring in, you know, the Ventries. It was an endless kind of list of players. Butler. Yeah. Um, so, like, there, there is there is an advantage to coming from an area like that and having the, the knowledge on the ground to, to bring players across, like, you know. Um, okay. So, um, yeah, just to remind you as well, um, our sponsors are Milligram Coffee. Uh, they've got a great website. I only looked at it today for the first time, milligram.ie. Um, check it out. They're located on Wine Street. If you're looking for coffee, cup of coffee, and you're in around town, absolutely pop into them there. Um, okay, so the next thing we have on the horizon is uh, Sunday's semi-final against um, against Shamrock Rovers. So uh, we spoke about it a little bit there, Donner. Um, I had kind of suggested making uh, a change in midfield. I think something obviously would have more in coming back in, um, but um, I would be afraid that we're going to get run over. Um, and we're going to get a little bit um, overrun in the middle of the park again. I think you have to go to three anyway in the middle. You'd probably go with Seymour, Morhen, and Cawley. I think you have to find room for the three of them in there because I just don't think a two is enough against Shams. I think you need to be able to put a body on Jack Byrne and just to stop, just you know, try and stop him dictating the play as much as he can. But it's who do you, it's who do you drop then? That's the big question. You know, and it's you want to keep Junior, you want to keep Cochrane, you want to keep the Freeze, and I'm sure um, Jesse Devers will be back in contention as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a big call. It'll be interesting to see what Buckley goes with. I I can't imagine he goes as the way we've, we've been already because that got exposed the last day up in Tala quite badly. Mm. Yeah, Magoo, um, what what will you be looking for? What sort of Shape or like for the first twenty minutes, are you hoping that keep it tight? Oh yeah. I mean, you you sit back and you're 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 playing a risky game, aren't you? Ah uh, yeah, you have to. But like we have to, we're gonna have to sit in tight and uh, and play deep. I'd say and not give it too much away and don't let them have any space. And but obviously there'll have to be a point where you do go and press them and you do put on the pressure. Like there'll have to be a certain trigger. I would imagine, or a certain certain man gets the ball, it'll start to press. But I would, I would be hoping that's not too far off the pitch, because if we we can't go as we were saying already, we can't go toe to toe with them and think that you know we you play we play. Although like there was passes of play up in Tallaght last game where we actually we played decent enough. Yeah. In 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 parts, but I think if if we start doing that, if we do start try opening up the game, we're asking for trouble. Just keep it tight for as long as possible. Go to penalties, winning on penalties. Push back, <laughs> yeah. It's going to have to be a very concentrated performance as well. It's you know, as McGoo was saying there, you know, we're going to have to take certain phases of playing, you know, trigger the press and that. But everyone's got to be on it at the same time. One person can't be lagging because then it just gives Shams that space, and that's when they'll hurt us. Yeah, and it, yeah, it, only, it only takes them a couple of seconds, like. As much as we hate them, you have to give them the respect they're due in terms yeah. of quality. They will, you give them any opportunity and they will hurt you. 
Yeah. And if we do concede, if we do concede, the thing, the thing I noticed with Shams too is that the 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 play they seem to play in in patches as well. Then they're 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 they play and they play and they play. They'll take up when the score then they seem to get hit a purple patch. They could put two or three by you in in fifteen minutes. Like yeah, the season that a lot. Like so, even if we do concede a goal, we would ho- hope that the heads wouldn't drop and we start going gung ho or everybody losing their discipline and. Because you don't want to get hammered anyway. Like it's if it's going to be the last game of the season, you don't want to be coming out of the tail with the tail between your legs getting a hammer. Yeah, that's. If we lose, we lose, and if that low and lose, it's it's a good day, as long as we don't get a hammer and we whip them. Yeah, well, like that. You I know, do ourselves justice up there because we're we're we are a decent team. Like we're we're like we're not as good as Shams. We're not near them, but sure, funnier things have happened. Yeah, but it's a bit—it's a bit of a shot to nothing. Like, and there's there's no reason why we don't see at least a really strong performance, a really committed performance um, from the team. Like, you know, you know, all going well um, in the game later on, everything will be boxed off. Europe, Europe wise. So, like, if you're a player, if you're a Rovers player now, and you're pretty sure that um, you're going to be around next season, or there's a strong chance you've been around next season, there's no reason why you're not putting in a putting in a big game here. Like, you know. Like you, you've got a, it's, it's a game against Sharma Rovers. So like, obviously the rivalry there, the rivalry's there. You, you, you know that there's a lot of expectation on you performance-wise from the people who are watching the stream of the game. So you would expect that people are going to be on it. Like, you know? I mean, I think the manager, you know, when we heard the manager speak last week as well, he's tuned into it. He knows what it means. He knows what it means to the club and the supporters. So... It's the semi final of a cup, anyway. Like even if even if it's if it's if it's not a case of even if you're not here next year, like semi finals of cups don't come around that often in your career. So even just if you're doing it for yourself, you want to put on a show and put put your best on, like and do yourself justice. Playing the semi final of a cup, you know. I think I think you take it back to this stage of the competition last season when we were coming up against that great Dundalk side. And, you know, we weren't talking about just not making a show of ourselves or anything like that. Was, we were all kind of, we were all very hopeful going into that semi-final. So I don't think we should be... Yeah, but I'd, I'd be, like, if, if, we had, if we had Shams at home here on Sunday with a full house, I'd be giving us every chance to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, fans make, an abs- make a hell of a difference. And it would make a difference even a travelling support going up to Tala on Sunday. Yeah. But... I do feel, you know, at the end of the day, we finished fourth in the league, probably should have finished third. We're not a million miles away from Shamrock Rovers. We should no, still that's what we're, saying. we're not. You know, we shouldn't just be sh- we shouldn't just show up there and see what happens. We should be going up there with the intention of winning that game and putting in a oh, yeah, we should, good performance. Yeah, we're not we're not up like lame ducks, but you have to have we yeah. we have to have a game plan too though, because like we, we cannot go to we we are not as good as them. We're not we're not far off it, but we're not as good as them. And we yeah, can't no go toe to toe with them, or we will. They will expose us if we go toe to toe with them. Like they have, they will, they'll have more firepower than us, and that's. I know, and it's. And you're right, in what you're saying, as we have been saying there, we do need to go up with the right game plan and execute that, hopefully perfectly, and you know, say it's true to a final because you know, at the end of the day, I know, I know the money isn't there from winning the cup this year, but the prestige is there from winning the cup. And even for making future signings and as the club going forward, to have silverware on the back here on the back here moving forward is a massive thing. Yeah. 
Uh, is that true that there's no there's no financial reward for the pop this year? No, is that true? Yeah, well, the FEI have kind of helped out with wages, I think, in the meantime. I, oh, right, as okay. far as I'm aware, as far as I'm aware, that that's yeah, yeah. not possible. Yeah. Um, listen, I mean, if you were to get, if you were to make your way past the semi-final, um, you absolutely fancy your chances against uh, against the Dock. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen anything to, to fear from Dundalk. And I, I think as long as that mad Italian's still in charge of them, anything can happen as well. Yeah, it's yeah. funny how, um, like when we spoke to the lads from um, uh, the Dundalk podcast, it's funny how their relationship changes every day, their opinion of it say, changes every day of... <laughs> He goes from hero to zero, kind of pretty quickly. Like you know, I'm back up against the hero, and then I think they're getting trounced tonight. It's uh, it's Thursday night we're recording this. I think they're taking a hammer at Imago in the Europa League. Yeah, well, the last well, the last I looked at was three 0 anyway. So yeah, so um, I, mean, I don't so, think he's so going to last. He's, uh, well, he's got a new con- he's got a new contract, hasn't he? Did they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, there's nothing been signed. I don't think. Are you sure? Yeah, I still think they're waiting to get that director of football. Director of football. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was I was sure he signed the contract. Jared Little will be managing the next year. <laughs> if Jimmy Dilton gets the job. They're working together, aren't they, with Northern Ireland? Drinking together. <laughs> um, right, okay, listen, um, have have we anything else that we want to add to to the to look ahead to the semi final? No, I just hope we can go out and do the business and yeah, I think it's good. another final get us back where we belong. Yeah, like the game against Shams could be a real kind of measuring stick to see. Well, really, how have we progressed for the season? Like, and where are we against the best team in the league? And yeah, we might lose the game, but are we going to go down with a fight? Like, you know, and are we going to be able to execute the plan that you, you speak about? Like, you know, I think it's a bit of a measuring stick. Yeah, well, look, as yeah. Shane was saying there earlier on as well, you know, there was patches of playing Tala where we did play them off the park as well, and we opened them up a good bit. It's just if we get them chances again on Sunday, it's just about us putting it in the back of the net when we get that opportunity. Yeah, I don't know if anybody. Big thing, we'd have to take our chances, is right. There won't, yeah, be, yeah. there won't be too many of them coming around. I don't think. Yeah. Okay. Um, listen, we'll leave it there for for this week. Um, thanks to Danny Venture for the hour or so that he spent with us. Um, we'll talk to you again next week. Um, just to remind you to buy your annual draw tickets, uh, get your Christmas presents on the Bitter Red Supporters Trust website. Twenty five percent off until Friday evening, and uh, if you're walking down Wine Street. Why not pop into Milligram and get your coffee out of there? Um, okay, so we will talk to you um, when we, um, as we prepare to face the lock in the final of the FBI Cup. Uh, <laughs> okay, lads, listen, uh, thanks again. Thanks, Miguel. Cheers, Connor. Cheers, Donner. We'll talk to you next week. Cheers, Connor. All right. Later, Donner.